welcome to the Natural Writer Podcast. This is a place where writers can explore alternative methods to accessing their creative process. I'm your host, Nicola Thompson. I am a writer, writing coach, ghostwriter, and tarot reader. Now, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the Natural Writer Podcast. This is the last one of the month, and it is the last one of the year. And this week, I'm going to talk to musician Medusa, also known as Drew Canellis, about creativity and location and how it influences the creative process. However, before I get into that, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping. First of all, if you're listening to this as it comes out, there is very limited time left to get the 35% off birthday discount. The birthday, of course, being my birthday, which is passed on the 21st, but until the 28th, if you get a hold of me and email me at nicola at naturalwritercoaching.com, you can get 35% off of my all-in monthly pack coaching package and my six-month coaching package, both of which involve developmental editing, response, looking at your manuscript and giving you exercises to get through difficult plot holes and to get through character development and to get through your first draft all the way through to your final draft in different capacities. You can go check that out at naturalwriter.com if you want to get more information as far as what those packages entail. But if you're interested in getting this discount you need to get a hold of me and book your package before the end of December 28th, 2021. And you do that through my email, nicola at naturalwritercoaching.com, or you can go to naturalwritercoaching.com forward slash contact, and you'll find a contact page, and you can use the form there to email me as well. So that's the first thing, and that's first and foremost, because it is most pressing. <laughs> so the next thing I want to talk about too is that early bird pricing for the elemental writer course is going to be ending soon. So if you want your place there and you want it at a 30% discount from what the price will be as of January 1st, be sure to book your course. You can get the link in the bio here or you can go to my website naturalwritercoaching.com and there will be a link at the top of the homepage to register. And what this course does is it helps you to cultivate your creativity through spirit, fire, water, air, and earth via hours of video, via hundreds of journal prompts and writing exercises, as well as delving into the tarot. There's a lot more to it. That's the simplified explanation for it. If you want a little bit more detail, you can go and check out episode 10, I think it is. I'll link it in the show notes, which in which I read the introduction script to the course and you can kind of get a little bit of a feel of what you can expect from the course. Again, early bird pricing is going to come to an end pretty quick here, so make sure you reserve your spot. The course itself will open on January 1st, 2022. I'm very excited. And then finally, most importantly, as many of you have been waiting, I am opening the doors to a monthly writing competition. This is the first one that I'm doing, so this is going to kind of be a little bit of an experiment. I'm going to work out some kinks, and basically the idea is that I'm going to draw some tarot cards. I'm going to give you a writing prompt, and then with that writing prompt, you have until January 15th to write and submit a 2,000-word piece based off the writing prompt. The winner of the writing competition for each month will get published on my website as well as get a $20 cash prize paid pal to them. 
It's not much, but this is also a free competition at the moment, and it's just me doing it. So eventually I'm hoping to kind of expand this and help it to grow, but in the meantime, this is where we're at. Eventually I've got plans for what I'd like to eventually do with all of these stories, but we'll, we'll see how this goes first. <laughs> all right, so here is your writing prompt. The way I'm going to do this, because I'm doing this via the tarot, and so I'm going to draw two cards. The first card is going to be your situation. The second card is going to be what's influencing your situation. So this could be the problem. This could be what disrupts the norm, the call to action. I don't know yet. I, I've got two cards sitting in front of me face down. And so basically in the way I'm looking at it is here's the card and here's what's crossing it. So here's what's going to influence it. And then I'm going to add the two cards together and I'm going to give you an overall theme to work with. So I'm going to read the definite, or I'm going to read, I'm going to tell you the definitions, my definitions of the cards, of each card, and then give you the theme, and I'll talk to you about what the theme is, and then from that, I'm going to have you create your own story, and email it in to me. <laughs> All right, so here's the first card. Here is the initial situation. Here's what's going on right now. All right, we have the Ten of Cups. The Ten of Cups is about coming into a new situation because at the end of the day, you've finished an old situation. You've reached a state of completion. So I say coming into a new situation. It's about approaching a new situation. It's about preparing yourself. It's about the preparation that happens when you've completed something and you're about to move on to the next thing. It's that next phase. It's like if you've got back-to-back -back parties and you've got to clean up after one party in order to prepare for the next one, that's the, the, the tens in a nutshell. However, this is in the realm of the cups and the cups have to do with connection and they have to do with creativity. They have to do with our emotions. They have to do with intuition. So when we're looking at the 10 of cups, what we're doing is looking at what lesson is it that we have completed in this realm, in this connections with ourselves? What have we just learn what, what, where are we leveling up, so to speak? So the nine of cups that comes before the 10 of cups is a state of cloud nineness. It's about recognizing that self-love and, and acknowledging that you are worthy to get what you want. It's about making it real internally so you can make it real externally. And that 10 of cups is living in that reality, that external reality that you have created as a result of the work that you have done internally with your own connection, with your own emotions, with your own intuition. When you love yourself, you can love everyone else sort of deal. Caveat, not to say that just because you have uh, self-worth issues doesn't mean that you're incapable of love. That's not what I mean. It's a understanding and a compassion and a knowing how to healthily love the self in order to healthily cultivate relationships around you. So the Ten of Cups is that space of having completed that. So with your initial situation with this story, it could be, for example, someone who has finally got their perfect family for example, or they have, for the first time, they feel okay after coming out of a relationship, or they've made that connection deeper than themselves, or they're coming into a new aspect of their spirituality or coming into a new aspect of their intuition. The cups are ruled by the water, by water. Water is about rhythms and flows. And this is like the, the wave has just crashed and it's beginning to draw back again so that it can begin anew so it can grow into another wave 
So that is, that's your situation that you're working with. That's your starting point. And what's crossing it, ooh, is the Ace of Swords. So the swords are about communication. They're about logic. They're about thinking and planning. They're about the legal system. You could say they're about philosophy. Uh, they're about teaching. But ultimately what they're all getting to is what is truth? How is it you speak your truth? What are your ideas? What is the nugget of truth that you have? The swords correspond to the element of air, and air has to do with the breath, of course, and it has to do with inspiration. You have that inspires on the breath. So when you're looking at the Ace of Swords, you're looking at what is that inspiration of truth? What is that inspirational idea? There is something that has come forth. The swords have a tendency of being double-sided, which means that they can cut both ways. Whereas truth can sometimes set you free, it can also hurt and cut you down. That's the, the problem with the swords. That's why they can be a little bit prickly cards as these swords, because they serve truth and truth isn't always receptive. So what what's influencing this state of contentment in the Ten of Cups is a new idea, a new truth that is being served. So then we have the theme, which is the ace plus 10, which equals 11. And the 11th card in the major arcana is justice, which is actually kind of funny because I think that the ace of swords is kind of a representation of justice <laughs> in a minor arcana sort of way. So the theme of this writing prompt is justice. So what does justice look like to you? Now, I want to go into what justice, the tarot card, definition is and you can use this or you cannot however at the end of the day the theme is justice the tarot card the major arcana the 11th card in the major arcana in the tarot is a representation of air in its purest form it shows someone who in my deck i'm using the spiral tarot it shows someone who holds up a sword straight up and down and has scales in uh, her other hand and in the scales she has a feather and the heart, right? So she's weighing how heavy the heart is. Now, the representation of the sword being up and down just kind of says everything is cut and dry. There is no black and white. It either is or it isn't. There is, there's no in between. And what this card is calling for is, okay, how do we measure the heart? How do we measure our truth in black and white measures? Except for we can't do that. One thing that happens in the justice card is there is a crescent moon in the top, or actually in this deck, there's a full moon above the person who's holding the scales, who's holding the sword. And what this says is that we can't be purely logical beings because we're not, we're not robots. We aren't purely black and white. There is no such thing as black and white unless you're looking at a checkerboard and we don't live in a checkerboard. Things aren't neatly divided. We are hues, we have different different tinges and colors. We have different vibrancies. And furthermore, we have different vibrancies in different areas of life. Whereas someone might be kind of dull in one area, they might be super exuberant in another. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're 100% an exuberant person or 100% a dull person. It means that they have variation. We are not 100% logical beings. We are not black and white beings. And what that full moon says, it calls upon the element of water and says, you know, we need to use our intuition here. We need to recognize that we are human beings. We need to use what we understand about compassion and connection and what we understand about ourselves and our emotions in order to make the judgment that is being called upon. That's what judgment is about. 
So that's your theme. So your first card is the Ten of Cups, which, by the way, this is really interesting that Judgment calls in air and water because those are the two cards that you have. You have the Ten of Cups, which is your water, and you have the Ace of Swords, which is your air. So that is your writing prompt for this month. So when you go and you submit this writing prompt, you're going to go to naturalwritercoaching.com forward slash submissions, and there you're going to find all the details to submit as well as where to send your submission to. But remember, this is a free competition, so, you know, have fun, but also please only send one submission because it is just me <laughs> reading this, so, you know, I need to be able to get through them. When you send in your submission, include a piece that you've written that is no more than 2,000 words, create um, an author bio that's no more than 350 words, as well as a cover letter talking about how you used the prompt to create this piece. Again, I'm open to all sorts of creative interpretation. You literally don't have to have, you know, some deep resonating thing. I mean, you could literally take 10 cups and be like, oh yeah, I think that this is an interesting way to start this off with someone stacking cups or whatever. Use this however you feel but your inspiration are the Ten of Cups, the Ace of Swords, and your theme for your piece is justice. The competition as of this podcast coming out is officially open. It closes January 15th, so make sure you get your piece in before then, and I look forward so much to reading what you create. Okay, so that is all of my housekeeping. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm so excited to share this interview with Medusa, with Drew, and I hope that you'll enjoy it as well. On to the interview. I'm sitting here with Drew Canellis, who is a musician and a creative, and this is who is going to be on my podcast today. Hi, Drew. How's it going, Nicola? Why don't you talk a little bit about what you do? Well, I don't really do very much, but when I do do it, I, uh, <laughs> I'm a musician, so I play music. I've played music for quite a long time. My favorite thing to do is to sort of play music in public but not play music for money so not busking but just like playing music in public is is one of my favorite things to do i also like record little vignette type songs you know like i record these little like you know one or one and a half minute tracks on my iphone without any like sort of special equipment i just have a phone and i like record little little songs or whatever just for fun because i can't be asked to like sit down and do an actual real recording so it's just like, you know, in, in an hour or two hours or something, I'll make a little song. It sounds good, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. I mean, like, you kind of, like, make things up on the, the fly. You'll just be like, oh, I'm going to sit down and do this song, and you, you complete it. And, you, yeah, you usually do it, like, in an hour or two. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, like a weekend project thing. I'll just, you know, get a wild hair and be like, yeah, make this song up. So what do you mean when you say vignette type songs? What's the difference between a vignette type song versus like a song song? Well, it's often it's not all the way. Uh, it's not like a fully thought out theme. You know what I mean? It'll just be like a snippet. It'll be like, you know, a minute long or like a minute and a half. And sometimes often I'll write one verse and then a chorus and then just do the same verse again mm. or something like that. So it's not like if I would, because I used to be in a band where like we would like write, you know, full traditional sort of blues structured, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge type of um, songs. But nowadays when I'm playing, it's just more about like having fun with it. And so when I'm making these little like snippet songs, it's not so much 
that I'm worried about like any sort of traditional structure of how I'm going to present this song to some sort of like, you know, viewer or listenership. It's more just about like having fun with it and like, you know, doing what sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's usually shorter condensed. I mean, on the recordings, I make several mistakes Mm -hmm. um, that I don't really care about because I mean, you know, I'm just going to send them to, you know, I'm just going to text songs to my friends and stuff like that. So. So a second ago, you said that um, you kind of do them, do these songs like when you have like an urge or like a creative urge or whatever. What does a creative urge feel like or look like to you? Well, since I'm a musician, <clears throat> one thing that happens really often is I'll hear a melody in my head. Mm. So like <laughs> there's this song that I wrote called Person of Beetle Origin. <laughs> and I had this melody, like this like vocal part just stuck in my head and I just had to write an instrument part to it. So, I mean, a lot of times it'll start with just like one little melody that I have in my head and then I'll, um, you know, put an instrument part to it. Another way that it happens though, is like sort of one of my favorite things to do is to just play instrumental music. Like I have a ukulele. And so I'll just sit and play ukulele for like 30 minutes. And then over time, you know, over, you know, four or five times of me doing that, I'll develop some sort of like, you know, rhythm or pattern or something and then if inevitably or you know eventually if i do that enough times then i'll be like oh that could just be like something that i do real quick to make a little song or whatever is it more about the music or the lyrics for you it's both it's like it's it depends on w what the arena is right so it's it's really both like i mean it's about the the music the structure the lyrics like sometimes it's not at all about the lyrics it doesn't matter in any way you know what i mean sometimes i will you know just be out playing for people and it's more about just the vibe it's more about like you know what's going on sometimes when i'm like because i've written some songs for classes before or you know to try to prove a point or talk about my philosophy because i'm you know a philosophy major i've got a philosophy degree for no reason i don't know why i did that um <laughs> Yeah, so like when I'm trying to talk about like some philosophical concept like that or something that's really deep in that way, the lyrics are kind of important. But I mean, the lyrics are never more important than the music. Have you ever written a song to help you understand a philosophical concept? I've had a final where I needed to write a song um, about two. Actually, I've, I've had one class where it was required that we wrote a song and it was a philosophy class about um, the material that, that we did that quarter. It was cool because one, one kid did like a rap song mm -hmm. about Spinoza. It was it was great. I, I wish I could find the song. But anyway, but no, I don't think it helps me to understand or sort of, it maybe helps me to sort of um, dissect maybe what a concept means to me, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily like help me understand it overall, I suppose. I guess the reason why I ask is because, like, for me, uh, writing a lot of the time, especially journaling, is a way for me to better understand what's going on inside of my head. And so I was wondering, but but I, I guess the idea of trying to understand something external that you're inputting and then bringing it externally again, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I was just kind of curious about uh, what that would look like, if that's kind of something that you do. But oftentimes, like, when I need to understand something about myself or there's a story concept that I'm trying to figure out, it doesn't work until 
I get it onto the page because it's like my my brain has to act as a filter for like one word at a time. I have to organize my thoughts enough as one word at a time coming out. And when I organize those, then I have a concept that kind of starts to weave itself. Hmm. For me, I mean, like organizing my thoughts is definitely a process that is separate from art for me. But like what you were saying that um, that kind of made me think of is when I'm writing lyrics, sometimes I get stuck on lyrics. Sometimes it'll be like, there'll be a lyric and it rhymes well, but I know it's kind of corny or something. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't want that to be the final product, but I just have to put that in. Mm -hmm. just like to, yeah, just has to, something has to be there. And even though I don't really like that lyric, there's something has to be there. And I thought of that lyric already, but just, so I just have to like go with it, even though I'm like, all right, well, that's kind of dumb. And mm -hmm. hopefully I can, maybe I'll like sleep on it or, you know, later it'll, something better will come up, but yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's something I do. And also like, obviously not in music, but in writing. And also something that I tell people to do is that like, when you've got something, just write it anyway it doesn't have to be perfect and if the things that you're just like i really don't like that put it in bold or whatever and or put a note in words say you know rewrite this section i do that all the time because like i'll do I'll, I'll try to be making myself do uh writing sprints and when i'm like oh i don't like the way that sounds i'll try to not allow myself to stop and think but i'll just kind of write in bold because i do all the key codes so like the control b come back to this, rewrite this part, and then go back to normal text and just keep writing. And then that way the idea is still getting out onto the page. The idea is, you know, the thing is still getting created. There's, I'm just pinpointing where I can fix it later. Right. I think that's a classic uh, technique. And I mean, it, you know, I mean, you can use it in so many uh, arenas, you know, that's like, mm -hmm. a, that's something that I use while taking tests too. Like, mm -hmm. cool. I'm just like, I'll just answer this and I'll go back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you were talking about how you like to play music when you're out in public, not busking, but just kind of essentially playing music. So what kind of locations? Uh, what, what? How does how does your location? How does this kind of affect you and what you create? Right. Well, environment is like a huge thing for me when I'm uh, playing music, and I mean, like, genuinely, it affects my mood quite a bit. Because in the summertime, I mean, you can't really keep me in the house like I'm outside. I mean, I just, I really enjoy being outside. I like the sun. Um, I like the energy. I like the people. And so, um, like, part of my, like, you know, probably one of my favorite pastimes um, to do by myself and, you know, with other people is go to different locations and play music. So, I mean, different locations will give me like sort of like a different energy or different vibe. I've, you know, I'm in Bellingham right now. And so one of my favorite things to do over the past couple of summers is go like right downtown on like Holly and Railroad or, you know what I mean? Like somewhere right, right, you know, somewhere on Railroad or somewhere on Holly and just sit in a chair and just play music. And I, I really like doing that. And uh, I used to live in california and when i lived in california i would go uh i would like ride my bike to lake merritt or you know what i mean like you know go to go to certain locations and you know on top of uh in in east oakland on the hill and just you know look down and play so you know it, it it's it, it gives me different vibes in different locations so would you say that like 
being around people versus alone uh, kind of changes what you play, do you reckon? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely... So, when I'm playing music, you know, because we were kind of talking before about um, are the lyrics or is the music more important? And there is, like, a whole couple of separate things when um, playing music. One of those is performance. So, like, you know, there's playing music and then there's playing music as a performance. And, like, when I'm playing music as a performance, I mean, it changes the volume, changes the songs that I pick, you know what I mean? It changes, you know, my my whole posture, my whole mentality of, of the music that I'm playing. When I'm playing by myself, often I don't really sing. I, like sing really seldomly i play a lot of like sort of flamenco-esque i mean if i can call it that i mean you know i have a bit of imposter syndrome you know yeah it's it's real uh sort of you know that sort of influenced type of music when i'm by myself i don't, I, I tend to not sing very much but when i'm you know out in public i sing quite a bit i'll yell even mm. <laughs> there is a level of the fact that you got to know that your audience isn't always going to be know exactly where you're really weird inner intricacies are going with stuff so sometimes you have to play songs that are more accessible to a larger amount of people in order to attract more attention right so it's like saturday night live the the comedy is pretty easy to understand and that's because you know they want to cast a wide net and like have the most relatability you know for the numbers or whatever and so that's kind of like something that you have to do when you're busking it's like you can't play your weirdo like song that you wrote off of an occult book that only know you know like you can't do your like weirdo like uh what's that movie where they uh Nicolas Cage plays the dude Da Vinci Code you can't do your Da Vinci Code level that wasn't Nicolas Cage that wasn't Nicolas Cage no that was Tom Hanks Nicolas Cage was in the, oh he was in a uh, lost tra- anyway this is a, <laughs> this has become a tangent now. This has become a tangent, but you, you you can't do your Da Vinci Code, you know, when you're on the streets busking. You got to do your, uh, you got to do your Elsa, Let It Go, Disney, Star Wars. Disney Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> um. So then, so when you're busking on the street, how, okay. So that's one environment as well. What's more is that's also when you're singing for a purpose. Mm. So when so and and you've kind of differentiated from when you're playing on your own. You don't sing as much versus when you're out in public. You sing, and then when you're out in public for sing and singing without a purpose, does that change? It, it, do you sing differently than when you're busking? Like the songs that you pick to sing. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's just more about like you know, you know, I I play more Disney when I'm when I'm busking. You yeah. actually play Disney? <clears throat> no, I don't. Metaphorical. Met- metaphorical Disney. Disney. <laughs> yeah, I do more Disney when I'm busking, and then <clears throat> when I'm just like out singing for myself, I just you mm-hmm. know. But another another one that I do, and I don't know if you, because I mean, like you're a writer, right? So I'm not sure if it it, it would exactly correlate with you. But another one that I do genuinely is going out into the woods. So this is one that I like to do in the summertime. It has to be either summer or springtime. Like, I'm not going out right now. We have a ridiculous amount of snow. I'm not, yeah, I'm not uh, trudging out into the woods right now. But in the summer or the springtime, I like to go into the woods. And that there's like a sort of, an, and I usually don't sing when I'm doing this, but it's like more of like a meditative Mm. um experience to go out in the woods like uh, last summer i found myself going to walk falls quite a bit 
Mm. And like sort of sitting on top of the waterfall and playing, you know, some more relaxing type of music. I don't know if there's anything like that you have that is relatable to that, but I think it's interesting. So it's kind of there's an answer that I've been looking for for a while, and I think that I finally just figured it out while I was listening to you talk. And this this ties back to it. So like uh, the idea of writing privately, writing in say a cafe versus you know writing in nature. So why why do writers want to write in a cafe? Like why do we like that ambiance? And I think that maybe part of it is being seen out in public because we feel like we're kind of being held accountable that we should we should be sitting there writing at least for me versus like when I'm sitting by myself I'm like no one's gonna see me screwing off um so I don't necessarily get as much work done as when I do like when I'm out and also because I'm relocating specifically to create right and then when I write if I journal when I'm out in the in the woods I rarely if ever create like uh contribute to say a part of my novel unless it specifically calls for it if I'm out in nature for me like you say it is a little bit more of a meditative act and so I'm more likely to maybe give myself writing exercises of okay what am I smelling what am I tasting in the air and just challenging myself what are the different kinds of green that I'm seeing right now and having myself do um, writing exercises that are also exercises in mindfulness um, as well as just, okay, how do I connect to the environment that I'm in right now? How can I feel this? And I think that that's a, a different way. But the, the question that I had, uh, was searching the answer for is why do writers like to write in cafes? But I feel like if you are a writer and you're writing in a cafe, you get some dank eavesdropping going on. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. Like you can listen to the table of the net. You know what I mean? You got a couple fight. You got a, you know, you got all, <laughs> you got all kinds of like life that you can sort of draw from. I mean, a cafe is like bustling with uh, people's, you know, everyday life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's one reason too, but that's not the only reason. Cause I mean, writers, there's, there's YouTube channels and videos that are just um, cafe ambiance. So you can feel like you're in a cafe. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of writers use that. Have you used it? Um. Yeah. And then I found that actually what I wanted to listen to is the music in the background of the ambiance. <laughs> so then I went and searched the music. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it, it's, you know, and especially during the pandemic, too, where we couldn't go anywhere. That was really helpful to a lot of writers because, you know, a lot of people do just get their stuff done when they're out of the house. There's too much distraction. So then when you have to make that that transition into your house you want to do what you can to not feel like you're at home to feel like you're in a different environment being stuck in the house does suck but another um, sort of i guess environment if we're going to stick with that theme uh, that i go to and this is a one that i've only been able to do recently because i've only i you know i haven't really had a car for a lot of my life you know what i mean i, I lived in cities or whatever and so i uh, i took public transit and stuff and so not everybody has access to you know having a car to be able to just like pop around all the time but I, I like to go up to sort of high places like like high in altitude not like high places but you know high mm -hmm. in altitude and like where there's a view and that gives me like it, it, it's it can still be nature but not even necessarily just nature like sometimes on the top of a high building mm. or something but just somewhere that's like high up at altitude where you can see for quite a while um, and that's like a whole different vibe, you know, it gives me some sort of connection there. And I, 
to to be in that environment to see like quite a, quite a distance out and be able to sort of reflect you know what i'm seeing via my music mm-hmm. yeah i think that considering like just different aspects of where you are and i don't know i feel like different aspect or different locations kind of maybe call for different expectations on yourself so when you're when you're high up and removed what are the expectations that you're putting yourself on in being in that environment i think that might be one of the biggest ways environment alters how you create is looking at you know so for me when i'm thinking of okay well why would what i create be different at a higher altitude say then i don't know setting up a notepad down on the street corner i think that meta you know like metaphorically it's looking it's it's separating yourself from what's going on and observing with a detachment is how i kind of look at that versus being down on the street corner with a notepad i am a part of the hustle and bustle and part of the street noise and part of that and so there's a different perspective that i would take on in writing from there so to me they both create different needs from the environment that's pretty interesting. I suppose when I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about um, sort of being a writer and being high up and that doesn't, I don't know if that really tracks or whatever. I don't know if, you know, you were a writer and you were really going to you know, climb a mountain, write a journal entry or something. But one um, thing that I think could be possibly relatable is uh, I, another place I like to play music is by the water. Mm. I've lived in the Pacific Northwest for most of my life. And so going to the sound i mean like and just playing music just like hear the waves and i don't know i one of the first songs that i ever recorded with you know my longest longest term band we were at des moines marina and in the song like part of the song is the waves of the marina you know what i mean at at the at the marina so it's like i mean of course you can hear seagulls and like a car starting up Mm -hmm. you know what i mean too on the recording and we had that recording for so long and like we really liked it because it was just like you felt like you were at the marina mm-hmm. you know and so and a big part of that was like hearing sort of the ocean waves and stuff so i mean do you ever do you ever write by the water is that something that you do or? yeah i mean <laughs> the first time i lived in wales i really all i wanted to do was sit on the beach and write and meditate and i just wanted to connect to the sound of the waves and just see what how i could get that to affect my rhythm and flow and i used to get so mad because it's such a popular beach that all i could hear were jet skis and motorboats <laughs> and screaming children and it just like pissed me off <laughs> and so then i started that's when i started getting up at five o'clock in the morning so i could beat everyone to the beach and go and spend time on the beach so <laughs> so you by yourself yeah is it is, is there is there light at this moment yeah okay yeah it's like in the say, summer i was gonna say like if you by yourself walking around in the dark how am i gonna see what the, i'm writing with a cloak on you know like. <laughs> running across the tops of the dune and my cloak <laughs> billowing behind me in the light you can't help but write see you're know, writing right, right now yeah, i yeah. know exactly <laughs> no yeah. and i think that there's something too and i know that this isn't necessarily something that you're big into but something to consider and something i think is really valid is the influence of water on us like the idea of flow and connection and how we when when we're in flow when we are kind of feeling the rhythm of the waves i mean there's so much rhythm that happens with water i mean looking at the tides and how that connects to the moon 
there's cycles and rhythms. And so I think that one of the reasons why so many people are inspired by the water is to connect to that. And that's one of the biggest influences of water in a mystical metaphysical, I'm specifying mystical metaphysical way. Uh, One of its meanings is connection and connection to self and connection to, to inner rhythms as well. That's just a theory of mine uh, that I talk about a lot. Well, it's a pretty good one. I think that it resonates definitely. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm not like a, a a spiritual person per se, but I mean, I uh, when I was in Western, I was in a lot of clubs, and one of them was like the pagan club, and so I they all had I was in the pagan club. Yeah. I was yeah. yeah. Um, and they, I remember, um, they, there was one day we were talking about sort of grounding and what different people do for grounding. And there were so many people that talked about, and I, I, I suppose I don't get it as much, but uh, so many people that talked about water. Hmm. Um, and I know that a lot of people, you know, talk about like literal earth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like literal that's earth that's and, what I think and, of when I think of Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the traditional one, but I mean, a lot of people were kind of mentioning that sort of water you know pulls them back to that you know that calmness and i had like i had um when i was thinking about being at the beach too and i was thinking about what sort of it means to me one thing that i was thinking of is like when when i'm not playing music and when i'm just listening to the wave like there's something specific about the waves to me because i'm an audio person right so Mm -hmm. like the sound of the waves and like I used to do this thing where I would sort of pretend that I was part of the sound mm. and like, and that would be like sort of a meditation to, you know, sort of give me calm, you know what I mean? It, it was like a calming meditation. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, water has been a big part of like a lot of, what, what did you say? Spiritual metaphysical? A mis- mystical metaphysical. Mystical <laughs> metaphysical traditions. Definitely. Yeah. Water is a huge part of that. Well, and I think to the idea of like becoming a part of the waves, that's actually a pretty common meditation, like breathing meditation, where you breathe in and that's a way of gathering and you breathe out and that's the way of crashing. And so it makes sense. Like as soon as you said that people in the pagan club were talking about connecting to water in that way or grounding in that way, that made a lot more sense to me that um, it would represent and bring back to that tranquility. Also the color blue Again, going to mystical metaphysical, um, the color blue does represent calming a lot as well. Mm. And uh, I think that another really interesting thing, too, is that blue corresponds to the throat chakra, which is your voice. So when we're looking at calming words and we're looking at, at blue kind of connecting to the to water, um, we're looking at calming and we're looking at um, that kind of self-expression as well, or rather expressing, voicing. Right. Well, and it to piggyback off the water theme, um, not necessarily blue. That's but, fine. <laughs> but okay, so here's something that I was thinking that I would never do as a musician, but um, writing in the bathtub. Oh yeah. Is this is this a whole convention? Because I know people read while they you know take a bath, but like it seems like maybe writing would be a little bit more difficult. I mean, you can get, like, those little trays that, like, set up on the bathtub ledge. I mean, I wouldn't trust it, to be honest, unless I have, like, a really good clamp. Although I have definitely journaled in the bathtub. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know. Um, but, like, I'd never, like, bring my computer in there. I'd, I'd do it by hand. 
I suppose I would sleep in the shower. So I suppose that is playing music. Yeah, yeah. But I, okay, so what, what made me think of that, though, is that, you know, again, like, not everybody is fortunate to be by the by the Puget right. Sound, right? So looking so like, at alternatives. Looking at alternatives, like if you were someone that wanted to sort of experience that water sort of element, I suppose, take a bath. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, take a bath. Um, another thing, too, is like, you know, you can get those little water fountains, those little electric water fountains that you can put in your in your house. My friend has one for cats, but <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. You can get little water features or you could get even like a little freshwater fish tank or even just like a goldfish thing. Something that like allows you to be able to kind of smell the freshness of the water. Or what are those little terrariums? They're not terrariums. They're, I guess they're aquariums because it's aqua, right? Um, where you put the moss balls in them. I they, no, no, and the moss, moss grows in it. I think that those are a really good way of kind of connecting to water and just having water around you in different ways. And then, of course, obviously, you know, there's def definitely tons of audio tracks of just the sounds of the beach, the sounds of rain. Um, I've definitely fallen asleep to the sounds of rain on my Kindle, you know, playing YouTube or something like that. Yeah. Or you got to get the right one though. Some really of them, some of them the are right really one. just kind of not very good. Yeah, yet. it's just really loud white noise. I, I like the tin roof ones. I mean, some of those can get white noisy for sure. But then, like, some of them try to like put little stuff in the background, like cat meow, or you know what I mean? Something you know, random <laughs> the cat's stuff. Meow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the cat's meow. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I really, yeah, I think those are really wonderful ways to try and cre uh, connect to water. And the other way, too, is also just uh, when you're meditating, if you meditate, think about what water means to you and what your relationship with water is and hold that within you as you're kind of working. It's kind of like bring the beach to you via visualization or via, via holding that feeling as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and I, so, okay, that, some, that brings up something that I was thinking about, because I know that you do tarot, and that mm -hmm. you're into elements, and so for me, I'm not necessarily thinking about the elements in the same way mm -hmm. um, that you might, or that, you know, tarot might, mm -hmm. um, and to me, it's because I was thinking about, you know, fire element, and what is fire to me, and that's like energy, um, and that's like being around the people. Yeah. And so like yeah. that's that, you know, when I'm experiencing that fire element when it's summertime and I'm out on the street like playing and, you know, even busking or or, you know, with with the vibration of a lot of people being around to me, that's what, you know, fire is. And I suppose, you know, the opposite of that is, you know, calm and being at water. But I'm not sure what in the tarot, you know, or elementally. Well, I think uh, so. So fire, you're right. Fire is energy. Fire. I mean, when you look at a flame, it is pure energy. I love I love the idea of fire because it is just pure energy. It's so fascinating to me. But what is that energy? But it is something that which is happening right there immediately. So it is action. And so when earlier when I was when I was asking you about well what is what is your creative urge look like when you've got the urge to you know to me uh, that that's that um, that energy to write to create that energy to write music and that's that's fire energy and that was something that I wanted to was kind of asking you about. Because um, I was just kind of curious as to how to delve into that fire energy. But also along, I think it's interesting that when you're saying, okay, when I'm out in public, that's that energy, that's that fire energy because you're doing something. But 
it's also that earth energy because earth energy is about the physical world around us. So you're taking that energy. Yes, you're playing music, which, you know, is is kind of a the action of playing music, the action of creation. That's fire. Your music itself, that's actually air. Your creativity behind it is water. But your community and what you're doing out in the physical uh, shareable world, relatable world, that's earth energy as well. So in when you take your music and you go out to the community and you bring it out to the world, when you're creating something of your own, you're combining all of those those elements together. That's that's really interesting because I mean for me I think about sort of being in the woods as sort of in my earth energy. Honestly, as a confession, I think about uh, elements in like the Captain Planet. Uh, in the Captain Planet format, I, besides heart, because heart's not a real energy. Well, I don't know. I put heart as spirit. Okay, like, yeah. Because when I'm looking at energy, I'm looking at it in in a the tarot and b the pentagram. Mm. So like, because it's the five points, so you've got earth, air, fire, water. The top point is spirit, and circles how it all can, like it ties together. So I did. I put heart as spirit. Okay, yeah. so my Captain Planet uh, reference it goes. Yeah, it tracks. totally. totally. Okay. Perfect. And, and of course, you know, like when we're looking at create creation and creativity, um, you know, like when I'm talking about it in the elemental writer course, I'm talking about spirit in terms of what your highest self is and your highest self being the version of yourself that has gone forward and created and mastered and done all the things that you hope to achieve and hope to become on the various levels. And that's that version of yourself acting through you to create and to give your own unique flair to what you're doing anyone can pick up a pen and put pen like put words to the paper anyone can pick up an instrument and make it make noise but what gives it that style is you you're 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 the unique thing so you are thus the spirit that kind of is moving through those elements making them work together in the components and the percentages and the the measurements and how it all comes out that's you. So, so spirit is essentially you. Spirit is the alchemy of your elements. Yeah. So, I mean, so your spirit is what shapes what the elements look like and their color and their smell. Absolutely. And their, you know, that's, that's interesting. I, I like mm -hmm. that. I like that a lot. So if you were going to, so is there any sort of manifest thing that spirit is other than just you? Is it out in the world like, you know, like that fire or that, you know, water or whatever? Or is that just 100%? I mean, there's, I think that there's, in the realm of creating like what you're creating so i mean when i'm talking about it because there's there's no spirit in the tarot um the closest that you could argue is that spirit is the major arcana except for each of the major arcana corresponds to different of the four elements so it doesn't necessarily equate into the major arcana to me spirit is it's like the things that we don't see but we know are in action uh, the things that we don't see that are making things work, I mean, or move smoothly. I mean, I kind of use the analogy of oil in your car, you know, it's kind of moving through everything to make sure it's happening. But essentially, that's not even quite it. That's, I would say, you know, it's like the, the pressure in the air that forces clouds down or up or forces the wind that could be equated to spirit. I mean, if you're very metaphysical, like, again, mystically metaphysical, I'm, I'm, by the way, dear listeners, I keep uh, specifying that because I'm talking to a guy who went to philosophy program and uh, there's, there's a different philosophical metaphysical than there yeah. is a mystical metaphysical. It's, it's so true. It's true. Differentiating for his sake. 
But when we're talking in that realm, I mean, one could say, oh, well, this is divinity. This is the universe. This is karma. This is whatever. When it comes to what you create, I think that you are, you are, you are spirit. And if you want to look at it in a spiritual level, you are a part of the bigger thing that spirit is. So therefore you're that unique grain of whatever you want to define spirit as on a larger context. But for you, your purposes and what you do here on earth during this life, you are the spirit. You're the one that's the creative element they're bringing forth. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting. I never, I never considered spirit as a, I mean, I, I always, you know, again, went to the, to the Captain Planet, uh, <laughs> to the Captain Planet element, uh, tree and just discarded heart. You know what I mean? Cause no one wanted to be heart. You wanted to be one of the, you know, the four, <laughs> the big four, you know? <laughs> I mean, how did Captain Planet define heart? Do you remember? No, but I remember the theme song and I can sing it for you right now for your listeners. I no, that's I, okay. Yeah, I, I won't do that. <laughs> I mean, you're a wonderful singer, but I don't think we need to rehash. I love Captain Planet, but he's our hero. He's gonna take pollution down to zero. Okay, we need to stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I was I would wonder like if there is anything that you would do as a writer in different elements that would because I mean like to me they they're so. It's so stark, you know what I mean? And I know that you were talking about how, you know, being in sort of a a coffee shop or a diner gives you that buzz, that vibe of people sort of, you know, um, you know, being amongst the people and, you know, being in sort of the, the woods is meditative. Is there anything that you think that you would tell someone to do to sort of experience that? I mean, the first thing I'd say, I mean, is to ask yourself how you connect to these elements and ask yourself how your creativity and how your creative self connects to these elements. Ask what your relationship is with these. Um, also, of course, I'm always going to tell people to study the tarot because I feel like studying the tarot is like studying sto the story structure of life. <laughs> and of course, I'm going to tell people to sign up for my elemental writer program so that they can better understand it. At least a little, little plug there, just little, a little bit of a plug. plug <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, I mean, fire is about action and doing it. It's about self-expression. So figure out what it is that represents you and how you connect to that energy. How is it you best express yourself and how is it you take action? Air is about how you do logic and how you speak and how you communicate, but it's also about what your inner truth is. So the biggest and most important thing I can say about air is how do you connect to your truth and do certain locations, we're going back to the idea of locations, do certain locations stifle that truth? And same thing with fire, do certain locations support or hinder your self-expression? And why? What about that? Is that? And can you break free of those parameters and that boundary and that, that belief that, that a location stifles who you are? And if you can't, can you eliminate it, that boundary or location? Um, with water, water is about connection. And most importantly, it's about that inner connection with yourself. Because when you can best understand yourself and your emotions, then as an writer then you're able to kind of project and understand characters a little bit more and when you kind of have those conflicting characters that you kind of love to hate and you love to hate them because you they they reflect something in you and you're like ah i see i see how i see the logic in this and 
but I know it's wrong, but I get it, but I know it's wrong. Yeah, those are the, those are the best characters, right? Um, and you get that through better understanding what it is for you to be a human, what it is for you to, to feel and to be a part of the world. And so connection with yourself is about water and it's about finding that inner flow the way you're, you ebb and flow. And so when you go and you sit, sit in places that are water related or you bring water into your environment, ask how that affects you. And then finally, again, with earth, looking at how you move your body. So one thing that you said, Drew, is that you like to go and walk around and be physically present. So how is it that moving your body affects your creativity and affects what you create? How does it affect your mentality and your energy levels to be able to create? But also, how do you nourish yourself? Where do you feel secure? Where is your security zone? Where do you step out of that? Uh, both in your writing and in your creativity, as well as in your actual physical environments. But please don't put yourself in dangerous environments, like, please. Um, but also, you know, how how do you relate to the public? How do you relate to your community? That's another part of uh, Earth. And so all of these kind of coming together, when you're examining all of these aspects, I think that you'll better understand yourself as a creator. And as you, when you understand yourself as a creator, then you can create better because you can work around blocks and fears that might come up as well. I, I love all of that. Um, something that I just want to touch on that the very end of what you said, though, is do be careful. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I go into the woods sometimes and I'll walk out like a mile. And then you don't realize, but it's like getting dark or whatever. And then you got to walk back to your car or whatever, you know, in, in complete darkness. So, you know, bring some bear mace or a friend or, yeah, or a flare, flare gun. Or... You know, make sure people know where you are. Um, another thing, just like a little side story, like when we were doing the photo shoot for the cover of Nightmares on uh Nightmares on Wax, wow. Um, of <laughs> Nightmares When I'm Cold, the anthology. Um, when we were doing the cover for that, Jordan, our photographer, like was like oh i have just the place and she dragged us to this beach that was downtown it was beyond like these fenced off areas and we got down to the beach and it was covered in broken glass and needles and all sorts of stuff she's like yep we're gonna hang out here and do our photo shoot here and i mean it turned out to be a perfect location but we definitely had to exercise some caution and uh maybe get some uh body guard help as well just to make sure that we were fully safe so yeah definitely be safe when you do all these things um but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try new things mm -hmm. like as a writer i was thinking maybe it's just a suggestion from you know maybe from my last suggestion of the podcast thanks for having me on by the way uh-huh is uh i mean COVID safety as well yeah that's a really COVID... big important one I, I almost forgot to say COVID safety but um I don't know if they're doing them anymore, but I remember they, because they did open mics for quite a while and mm -hmm. you could go read poetry at an open mic. I mean, it depends on where you're at. Like, I mean, I think I've been to more open mic stuff in the UK than I have here. I'm sure they happen in Bellingham. I remember they used to happen, but that place is now a Cajun restaurant. I know that there's a Wednesday night open mic that's just, you can do whatever. You can read poetry or you can do whatever. And then, you know, Karate Church has them. Um, Every now, I love that name, Karate Church. But um, yeah, they there's there's places you can go and sort of I mean, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, one of yeah. the things when it, I mean, you know, and if you, and if you get out of your comfort zone and you're still uncomfortable, now you know you're uncomfortable and you don't got to do it again. And just to say too, you don't necessarily have to go straight from okay, I I'm gonna put my writing out into the world. Therefore, I'm gonna go to an open mic. If that's too too big for you, join a writing group. 
uh, look at writing groups, look at online writing groups. Again, COVID safety is important. Make sure that you are places where they require vaccinations, or vaccination cards even, or make sure that you are somewhere where you can maintain social distancing or you can do things via Zoom. But either way, find creative ways to step out of your creative comfort zone. <laughs> Right. Anyways, okay, so thank you so much, Drew, for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. This has been a really fun conversation. I've got like a hundred other things that I want to like talk to you about. So maybe future episodes. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Person.